Well, good morning. A little Jamaican there, kind of get you in the groove, get ready to help you love the life you live. Well, how many had a great summer? You guys have a great summer, man. Well, it's over. Today is officially the first day of fall. You know that? I mean, it's really cold outside, and at least if you get up really early, you might just sense a, just a nip of that in the air, which I love. I, I'm a Florida boy, but I, I love it when it gets cold here. Now, how many really had a, a great summer vacation? Can I see your hands? A lot of you did. Okay, where, where did some of the places you go? Just, just holler it out. Where'd you go? That was so great. Nebra- Nebraska? Okay. Wow, boy, they need a life, huh? Okay, Nebraska. Just joking, Lynette. Just joking. Okay. Who else? Where? Boston. All right, that's neat. Downtown Boston, cool. Texas? Canada. There you go. That sounds like a vacation. Orlando. Wow, that's unique. Okay. Uh, Disneyland it was, okay. Greece, there you go. Now that's vacationing. Been there once on my way to Israel. Greece, pardon me? Bermuda, Montana, Hawaii. Wow, never been there. Never been to Montana either. My awesome man. You guys really vacation. This is cool. You know, one of our, our family's favorite vacation, matter of fact, we got a picture of it. Uh, our favorite vacation spot as a family is in Weld, Maine. How many of you have heard of Weld, Maine? Really, that's encouraging. The population about 600 people. About 600 people there in Weld, Maine. And we, we just love it. I mean, it just, it was, we just love it. We look forward to it every, every summer to go up there. Penny Stoll, who was my uh, administrative assistant for years, um, she would take the summers off and she'd be gone. And uh, she'd go up to, the, she had these two like rustic, cabins there and I think it's a picture of her making lobster for us and uh in the summertime would come and we'd load the van up our astro van up you know our Chevy astro van which we just loved and we would drive and drive and drive until the gas tank was empty and the bladders were what full you know and dad wouldn't stop until the gas tank was empty you know and the kids all the time would say you know when are we going to get there how much longer I need to go to the bathroom and we'd say find a coke bottle you know we had two boys and you know and we would drive and drive and drive until the gas tank was empty and our bladders were full. And we get to Weld, and we would just love it there. I mean, it truly was like, a, like paradise. I remember one morning, about 4 to 5 in the morning, heard a big noise outside. And, you know, me being the protective father, husband I am, I, I got out of bed, and I grabbed my flashlight, and I went outside. And I didn't know who was more startled, me or this big, huge moose that I bumped into. You know, he saw me there in my whitey tighties. You know, I scared him to death. He went, oh, you know, and I went, oh, you know, and we both were scared. But it was so beautiful to be in creation and to see things like mooses. I guess they're called mooses. Mooses um, and um, or whatever. Um, and just just loved it. Matter of fact, that same morning that I had that moose experience, uh, we were going to go hiking uh, up a mountain called Tumble Down Mountain, about 3,200 square feet. I had a spring-fed lake up on the top of that mountain, and, uh, and so we got all ready, you know, we got our Nikes on, our hiking boots on, and, you know, we had our hiking sticks, and we're all ready to go to Tumble Down Mountain, and what we did, uh, Penny and my two boys, uh, Philip and Raymond, they got in the car with Penny and Michael, and Janelle was with me in the car, she was up in the captain's seat, and Janet, my wife Jan was right behind me, and we took off, and we were going down all these windy dirt roads, and all of a sudden, there's this two guys out just having fun, driving extremely fast. Penny was up front. I was following Penny. She knew where she was going. 
and all of a sudden I see this truck flying and he sees Penny. And in order to miss Penny, he kind of goes to the right a little bit. He goes up on this boulder and all of a sudden now, I'm not exaggerating, he's on two wheels coming right at me. And I slam on my brakes, turn to the right. I'm praying like mad, you know, and I'm thinking, he's going to miss me, he's going to miss me, you know. And isn't it amazing how your brain just slows down in situations like that? I mean, I can still remember just like frame by frame by frame seeing that truck, and it was a Blazer Chevy truck. We'll forgive the guy for that. And, and there he was coming right at us. And I thought he was going to miss us, and then boom, you know. He hit us, he flipped over, went into a bunch of trees, his passenger got thrown through the windshield. The driver was knocked unconscious. Uh, his, his, his truck, his blazer was totaled um, and um, took a long time for the driver to, to come to. And uh, we called the police, called the ambulance. Ambulance got there first. It took an hour for the, the county sheriff to get there. And then he got there. And because the, uh, the guy driving the vehicle was gone and they're not knowing how he was doing, they had to treat it like a fatality. So it... We had to stay there, like seemed like forever, and um, and our beautiful day of loving life uh, in Maine, you know, was like cutting short, um, and um, um, and so we got all this done. We're several hours behind, and Penny kind of turned to me and said, "You know, let's just go back to our cabin." And I looked at my wife and the kids, and we said, "No, man, let's go hiking. We've been looking forward to going to Tumble Down. Let's go hiking," and uh, and we hiked carefully that day. Um, but I'm so glad we made that decision to go to tumble down and the truly being on top of that mountain was one of the highlights of our vacation uh, that summer. It was just beautiful. And I remember as I was walking up the mountain, you know, we're going to be talking about this on, on how to, uh, how to um, learn in a couple weeks. I remember how my mind just kept replaying, you know, the, the accident over and over again. And I found myself thinking about that. That vehicle was coming right at me and my wife. What would have happened if? What would have happened? You know? And when you face death, even if it's just for a couple of seconds, you think about what matters most. What matters most? As I hiked up Tumble Down, I kept thinking about that accent, kept thinking about what if, you know, and I kept thinking about what really matters most to me. And as we talk about living the life you live, if you want to really love your life, you, you have to start, I believe, with this question. And I'd like to ask each of you to take a, a few seconds right now and try to answer this question. What matters most to you? What matters most to you? What do you value the most? And just, just jot them down there. Don't have to be in a certain order. Just first things that comes to your mind. Just, just jot them down there. What matters most to you? What matters most to me? And maybe group them. You know, I could put Jan and Raymond and Janelle and Philip and Philip all four slots. Just say, you know, my wife and my kids. What matters most to you? How many wrote down my Harley Davidson? Anybody else? Okay, just, just checking. All right, my Chevy Blazer. Uh, you're a nice guy, Harry. Okay, What's, what were some of your other answers? What matters most to you? Pardon me? Family. God, my faith. Life. Health. Freedom. Friends. Learning. 
education, opportunities, my future, surrendering, letting go. What matters most to you? You know, pardon me? Sobriety. Appreciate the honesty. Very good. Being sober. You know, loving life. You know, all those answers, I think they all kind of land in one of four different dimensions of our lives. And we're going to be looking each week at these four different dimensions. So we will learn to love the life we live, not just live it. And the first dimension, I think, is what we're going to talk about this morning. Kind of, it's the, it's the physical dimension. It's our health. It's our happiness. It's learning how to live and how to prioritize the important things in our life. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The physical dimension. And then we have the social dimension. Our family, our, our friends, how to love. How to love well. We're going to talk about that next week. How to love well. And then the mental dimension, our minds, you know, our, our learning, our education, what we think. You know, what we say to ourselves today is probably the most important conversation we're going to have when it comes to loving the life you live. It all takes place up here and learning to control that. Boy, that's, that's hard. We're going to talk about that and how to learn in, in three weeks. And then we're going to include with the spiritual dimension. Our relationship with God, our faith, and, and how to leave a legacy. We'll look at that last. So how to, how to live, how to love, how to learn, and how to leave a lasting legacy. You see, we're all searching, if we're honest, we're all searching for inner contentment. And it's hard these days. I think it's harder than ever before because life and society and culture is going faster and faster and faster. One man wrote, man, I feel like I'm being just torn apart. My family's important to me. Uh, so is my, my work's important to me. I live with this constant conflict, trying to juggle the demands of both. Is it possible to be really successful and happy at the office and at home at the same time? A woman wrote, you know, my life is hectic. I'm running all the time, meetings, phone calls, computer work, appointments. I push myself to the limit. I fall into bed, exhausted, get up early the next morning to do it all over again. My output is tremendous. I'm getting a lot done, but I'm getting this feeling inside that something's not right. What am I doing that really counts and really matters? I have to admit, I, I just don't know anymore. And I think the answer to her question and to his question is found in answering the next question. Does how you live reflect what's most important to you? Does how you live, does how you live your life reflect what you just wrote down that is the most important to you? Now, just answer that question. Write a, a Y for yes or an N for no. Does how you live Reflect that. We say, you know, God and our faith, that's what matters most to us. Well, do daily, do we demonstrate that by choices that we make? We say our family and friends, that's what matter most to us. Are, are they a daily priority in our lives? We say our health is important to us. Are, are we daily disciplining ourselves and taking care of our health? And we say our mind's important to us, our thinking, our learning. Are we daily practicing a lifestyle that's conducive to the growth and the development of our minds? 
See, if you want to love the life you live, you need to get on purpose. You need to get on purpose. You need to put first things first. Your lifestyle needs to be consistent, needs to be congruent with your values. So does how you live. The daily choices of your life, does it reflect what matters to you most? You see, most of us, we kind of get caught up in what's called the, the tyranny of the urgent. <laughs> you know, we're, we're always doing the urgent things, and we begin to live a, a have-to life rather than a want-to life, than a choose-to life. And we're never going to love the life we live if we live a have-to life. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. Some of you this morning thought, I have to go to church this morning. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. Does how you live reflect what matters most to you? Now, Jesus asked this question to a very close, dear friend. If you got your Bible or your electronic device, uh, turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. And he asked, I think this is just a, just a fascinating conversation that he had. Some of you know this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 10. Uh, some of you don't like this passage of Scripture because when you read this passage of Scripture, this person seems like she is your twin, you know? Um, and uh, so it's a difficult passage of Scripture for some of us, but it's a very real passage of Scripture where Jesus asked his friend Martha to probe deeply about what mattered most to her. All right? Now let me kind of put this passage of Scripture as you're turning there in your Bibles or your electronic devices to uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. Uh, Jesus' public ministry lasted for about three years, and about the first 16 months of Jesus' public ministry, I mean, it was up in the uh, northern area, north of uh, the Sea of Galilee, in the Galilean area. Uh, for about 16 months, Jesus' ministry was very popular, man. It was cool. People were coming. Uh, people were gathering. He's speaking to big groups of people. And, and as his popularity spread, so did uh, the jealousy and opposition from some of the Jewish leaders. And they kind of became hostile towards Jesus. And they're trying to repeatedly try to discredit who he was and discredit his message and try to trick him. And so right about Luke chapter 10, we're in this transition period from this great opportunity and great popularity towards moving towards opposition. And he's making this journey, he's making this trip down to Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. So we know it's around December A.D. 29, the Feast of Dedication is what we call today Hanukkah. So Jesus is coming. And he stops by this friend's house, Lazarus, who has two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he's, they live in Bethany. It's a little village about a mile and a half, two miles outside of Jerusalem. So let's begin reading with, uh, with verse 38. And can we kind of stand out of respect for God's word? Let's stand together. I'll read. And then if you'll read the highlighted part, that'd be wonderful. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem... They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, But the Lord said to her, 
My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now turn to your neighbor and say, get over it. (laughs) Get over it, and then have a seat. Get over it. You've been wanting to do that, haven't you? <laughs> Ever since you got here, the ride in the car. Just get over it. It's just the way I drive. Just get over it. Now, Luke is the only gospel writer who uh, includes this story. And we're not really sure if, um, you know, Lazarus or Mary or Martha invited Jesus to come by their house. And this was kind of like a planned visit, you know, on his, on his way to this feast. Or if Jesus just unintentionally, I mean, they didn't have cell phones back in those days, right? You do realize that. They didn't have email, you know. And, and, or maybe Jesus just, and sometimes they had runners that would go ahead of them, but uh, maybe Jesus just dropped in unexpectedly. You know, he's going to Jerusalem. He said, hey, let's stop off and see my friends, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. We really aren't quite sure. But when I read this story, four questions come to my mind. Question number one is this. Are the urgent things in my life keeping me from being fully present in the present? Are the urgent things in your life keeping you from being fully present? You see, Martha was living a hurried life. And when I begin to live a hurried life, I'm not fully present in that moment. Look at verse uh, 40. But Martha was, what's the word? She was distracted by the big dinner. I mean, she's feeding Jesus and 12 disciples. I mean, that's, that's a houseful, right? And she was preparing this meal. She was distracted. Instead of being in the moment and fully enjoying Jesus' presence, Martha was in a mild frenzy over all her preparations. I mean, come on, Jesus, time was a-wasting, things needed to get done, the table needed to get set, the meal needed to be prepared, and she was missing the forest, this beautiful forest for the trees. She was missing the forest for a few trees, a few details. She wasn't seeing the big picture. She got caught up in all the details that she forgot while she was preparing the meal. Why was she preparing the meal? To spend time with who? Jesus. To, to have fellowship with Jesus. Did I sound like an evangelist when I said Jesus? Gosh, I, I try not to do that. Jesus, okay. Jesus, is he, just Jesus, all right? You take note of that, Brent? Yes, I'm, I'm working on that. Thank you, okay. His wife pointed that out to him, that he, he sounds like an evangelist. And, so, and as soon as I said it, I felt, wow, that felt weird. Okay, anyways, you get the point. And that's what urgent tasks do. They, they keep us from being fully present in the moment. She's anxious. She's worried. She's distracted by all the preparations. And, you know, if I can just be honest with you, man, I, I love to multitask. It's just kind of who I am. My oldest son, Raymond, says the only time I call is when I'm in the car driving somewhere. You know, so he always asks me, where are you going? You know, and, and I say, oh, I'm guilty, you know, so... Um, so I try not to do that as much. I said, at least I'm calling you every day, you know, or calling you. Um, but I'm guilty. I, 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 I just kind of love getting a lot done. Anybody like that? You know, 
I just, I just love, I, I love driving my car fast, you know, listening to a teaching CD on obeying the law, you know, while I'm on the phone, you know. I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just love that, you know, and, and if you know me, you know I get distracted real easy. You ever try to have a conversation with me in the lobby? It's like, who is this guy? Where is he at? Is there, there's just too much going on in that lobby, just too many noises, you know, and I try so hard. You have no idea how hard I try to zone everything out and just focus on the individual because if I'm not fully present, who knows where I am? I mean, my mind is just running and going and thinking and spinning another plate and thinking of this and thinking of that. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, multitasking can be a good thing when it comes to task. But it's a bad thing when it comes to people. Martha wasn't there. I mean, she was there physically, but she wasn't there emotionally and spiritually and mentally. The urgent things were acting upon her. They were keeping her from being fully present. And how many of you are guilty of that? How many of you are guilty of letting the urgent things keep you from the important things? You know, we rush and we push. We keep living for tomorrow rather than being fully present and enjoying today. We're missing the forest for the trees. We forget the purpose in climbing the mountain is to enjoy the climb. It's not just to get to the summit. It's the climb itself. And some of us are not enjoying the life we live because we live with such a destination mindset that it's keeping us from loving life. It's keeping us from being fully present and experiencing the moment. You see, life is kind of like baking bread. Now, how many of you bake bread? I, I thought about dropping this illustration because I said, you know, I bet hardly nobody bakes bread. And Canaan says, I bake bread. Well, let's see, anybody else bakes bread? Oh, look at that. All right, there's at least five of you. Okay, um, but life is kind of like baking bread. You know, it really is. When you rush it, you ruin it. You got to leave it alone. Martha was rushed and hurried, and she wasn't fully present in the moment. And when you want to love life, you've got to learn to fully live in that moment. Second question comes to mind. Number two. Thank you. Question number two. Are the urgent things, like a crying baby, are the urgent things in my life causing me to attack those I love the most? Yes, he says, yes, they are. Okay, he is correct. Question number two. I love kids. You all know that. I'm, I, I love kids. Number two, are the urgent things in my life causing me to do what? Attack those I love the most. Are the urgent things in your life causing you to attack those I love most? Boy, I really walked into that trap, didn't I? That was really... Okay, look at verse 40 again. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my who? My sister just sits there while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help. Martha apparently wasn't loving life too much, and she wanted to make sure that her sister wasn't loving life either. Right? How many of you know people like that? They're miserable, and when they're miserable, they want everybody else miserable. How many of you married a person like that? Don't raise your hand. How many of you, you know, work with somebody like that? When they're unhappy, they want to do everything they can to make you unhappy. You see, urgent things cause us to attack those we love the most. Martha's crankiness reached a boiling point when she 
when she reacted strongly against her sister. And under stress and duress, we attack those that we, we love the most. My wife, my sweet, precious, dear wife, she can always tell when I'm having a difficulty, and, and probably the hardest thing I do every week is, is writing my message, and I know it doesn't appear that way to you, but I probably put 20 hours of preparation and in, 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 in preparing my delivery to, to deliver one of these messages, and, and one of the hardest things is getting started and coming up with that theme and coming up with that idea and then getting the outline. I mean, that, that is always the hardest, and sometimes it's just not there. It just doesn't happen, you know, and, and, um, and I, I'm just frustrated, and I can feel the pressure. John needs to know the theme. Canaan needs to find pictures. Mary Beth needs to get the outline done. Janelle needs to get it printed, you know, and so I got all these people waiting and wanting, and I'm trying, and, you know, and there's nothing there, and, and to be very honest, sometimes I have I have PMS. <laughs> I really do. You know what PMS stands for? Pre-message syndrome. Pre-message syndrome. You know, and all of a sudden I come home and I'm irritable and I'm impatient and I feel bloated, you know. <laughs> and, and I go home and I kick the dog that I don't have, you know, and I snap at my wife and she just looks at me with those big, beautiful brown eyes and she says, do you not feel good, honey? <laughs> I snap back at her and says, what makes you say that, you know? You've been there, you know? Are you having a hard time writing your message, dear? Under stress and duress, we attack those that we love the most. And please get this. If we're not careful, we become toxic carriers of stress like Martha leaving a trail of tension wherever we go. And it's toxic. It's damaging to those around us. And sometimes, like myself, you don't even realize you're doing it. You walk in the house, everyone's home, then all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, you notice the spirit has come down, and you say, what's happened? Well, you came home, you know? Under stress, we attack. So what's causing the stress in our lives it's almost always it's usually the urgent things in our lives the things that act upon us deadlines due dates delays inconveniences flat tires frustration things that we're not expected like guests coming in the house with 12 disciples and under stress we begin to think that you know everybody ought to help Everybody ought to center their life around me. I've got a lot to do. Don't you realize that, family? Now, now come on now, help me, you know? And, and then we begin to get a little irritated, mad with those around us don't realize all the pressure that we're putting on ourselves, and they're not rescuing us from the pressure. You see, like Martha, we need Jesus in our lives. We need Jesus. We need someone to kind of help us see ourselves Someone to kind of help us and remind us to, to put first things first every, every morning. You see, love helps us to focus on others rather than just focusing on ourselves and our needs and our wants. That's what love does. It makes us other-centered. It helps us to value those in our life. And Jesus was such an incredible, noble example of this. I mean, he was constantly interrupted and inconvenienced but yet he seemed to always take time for people because they mattered to him. They were a priority in his life. And that leads to the third question this morning, question number three. 
Are the urgent things in my life causing me to do more than necessary? Are the urgent things in your life causing you to do more than is necessary? Look at Jesus' response to Martha in verse 41. This is great. But the Lord said to her, what did he say? My dear Martha, in the Greek, actually her name is repeated twice. Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, Martha. I mean, you can almost see a, a twinkle in his eye. Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and what's the word? Upset over all these details. And the word upset here means to be pulled in many different directions. Martha was being pulled apart in all these directions, the meat, the napkin, the bread, you know, the setting of the table, all these details. But a simple meal with Jesus is all that was necessary. It's all that Jesus wanted. But she was creating more and more stress. She was worried. She was anxious. She was upset. Now, Martha, please, had, she had some incredible qualities. She was diligent. She was thoughtful. She was determined. She was energetic. She probably was the oldest child. She felt a little more responsible, you know, like oldest children often feel. And Jesus loved her. Jesus loved being around her. In John chapter 11, verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved who? Martha. The Bible puts her name first. Maybe first because she's the oldest. Maybe first because he loved her first. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But Martha was creating this stress within herself. And we often do the same thing by attempting to do more than it's truly necessary. We add to our stress. We don't love the life we live because we place all these unrealistic expectations upon ourselves. And good is never good enough. And we try to measure our worth and our value by our performance. Being a workaholic is one of the disorders in our culture today that we, we value. I mean, if you're a drug addict or if you're an alcoholic, get some help. But if you're a workaholic, come to work for me, right? I mean, that's kind of our culture's mindset today. And Jesus here, he kind of gets to the heart of the issue that Mary has an anxious heart. And Mary's anxious heart was giving away to, to all the urgent things around her. And she began to live a had-to life. She had to do this and she had to do that. And then she starts taking it out on everybody else. And she's miserable in the process. The urgent things in life cause us to be outwardly Busy, 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 do, 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 all the time. And all of a sudden, we begin to feel like we're just stuck on this treadmill, always doing, always going, always doing more than what's really necessary. And if you're relating to Martha, do you find yourself thinking at times, man, you know, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Bingo, Martha. If I don't do it, it won't be done right. Bingo, Martha. And quietly do you think they just can't get along without me? I mean, you'd never say that, but that's what you're thinking. And I dislike being the one to tell you this, but indispensable people like Martha get sick and die every day, and somehow life continues on without them. 
It's a lie that we believe to make us feel better about being a workaholic. Stress is our body's response to the demands we place on it. Can you say that with me? Stress is our body's response to the demands we place on it. So love the life you live by stop putting so many unnecessary demands upon yourself. Stop attempting to do more than is necessary. Stop blaming people. Stop blaming the urgent events in your life for your stress. Stop blaming the urgent people in your life for your stress. Stress is our body's response to the demands who places on it? We do. It's our response, it's our reaction to what we're facing. And some of us face a lot of CRAP. And the way we respond to it creates the stress. We largely create our own stress. And we've got to assume responsibility for that or we'll never change it. We've got to see it, we've got to own the situation, or things will never change. And you'll continue to live a have-to life rather than a love-it life. You got to see it. You got to own it to change it. And then, then Jesus kind of he gets down to the the real issue. He gets down to to, to the most important issue, and 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 this is so important because if you really want to learn to love your life, you need to get this more than anything else we've talked about this morning. This this will kind of help you deal with your stress if you can begin to master and to manage. This next question, question number four. Are the urgent things in my life keeping me from the things that are truly important? Are the urgent things in my life that I think I have to do, are they keeping me from the truly important things? Jesus says to Martha in verse 42, there's only one thing worth being concerned about, Martha. Mary has discovered it, and it's not going to be taken away from her. Now, again, Martha's not a bad person. She's just like most of us. She just gets too busy at times doing the urgent that in the process, she misses the truly important. I mean, God shows up at the door, and she gives him to her sister, and she goes in the kitchen. And then she complains about it. Isn't that what happened here? God shows up, and rather than meeting with God and talking with God and connecting with God and having fellowship with God, she goes to the kitchen, goes to work. And we do the same thing. We miss divine encounters with God, with our Savior, with people, because we're so busy doing the urgent, we need to put first things first. If we want to love the life we live, we need to live by priorities and not by pressures. We need to live by priorities. Jesus gently points out that, Martha, you got the wrong priorities. You're not doing what's truly important. You're doing the urgent things. I stopped by to spend time with you, and the whole time I've been here, you've been working, 
You haven't stopped working the whole time. Mary's sitting at my feet. That's a position of love. That's a position of respect. She has found what is truly important. And she's prioritizing it. You see, Martha was so busy working for Christ that she missed being with Christ. And we get so busy sometimes working for God that we miss being with God. And we spend all our time doing, doing, doing rather than being. Rather than prioritizing our life, doing the important things, focusing on the important things. And now we're living our life in congruency with what we love. And then we love our lives. And as your pastor, if I can just speak candidly with you, man, if you're just too busy doing life, too busy to live in community with God, too busy to live in community with other people that are in community with God, then you're just too busy for your own good. And you might love it now, but you're eventually just going to be living it. You're going to get stuck on the treadmill of success rather than living a life of significance by putting first things first, by living by priority rather than pressures. You need to ignore some of the urgent things in your life and focus more on what truly matters the most. Relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And again, what was the purpose of the meal? Is to help them to connect. To help them to turn their chairs towards each other and to feed our souls, not just our bodies. And the urgent things in our life will keep us from the truly important things. So what is it going to take in your life to get your attention and to help you to finally make that choice and that decision to begin to live by priorities rather than pressures? What is it going to take in your life to get your attention and to help you put first things first? Because when you put first things first and you live by those first things, you put the big rocks in first, man, it helps you so much manage all the urgent things that happen every day in our life. And we feel good about saying no to things because we're being rather than just always doing. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Can we pray this morning? Can you pray? Can you join me in praying? God, help me. God, help me to turn my chair towards you. God, help me to be, not just do. Help me to be with you. Help me to connect with you. God, help me to put first things first, to prioritize the truly important, to not be driven by doing the urgent all the time. Man, can you pray this morning, God? God, help me to love the life I live. God, help me to love the life I live. God, help me to live for what truly matters most. Help me to live for you. Can you pray that? God, help me to live for you. 
And maybe this morning, some of you need to make the, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It's allowing Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's putting Christ first. It's putting God first by putting your faith and trust in Him. And maybe right now you need to pray and say, God, you know, I acknowledge, man, that I get so caught up in the urgent that I want everyone to center their life around me at times. Man, I can be so selfish and so self-centered. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. And I invite Christ to come into my life to change me. Quit trying to save yourself. Quit trying to better yourself. Let Jesus Christ save you. Let him save you and liberate you and give you a life that you love to live. God, we're so grateful this morning that you, you love us and you want us to love this life. You want us to, to live it to its full. You want, to, you want us to enjoy it and to connect with you and to put first things first. God, help us to do that. Help us to do that. Help us to make those daily choices to live by priorities and not by pressures. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.